It's just the level of competition, unfortunately, just is going to mask any improvement that they're making with these changes. Now, unfortunately, we're not going to see a bunch of people with 640 credit scores putting down 5% winning until we can fix the availability of homes. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hello, and welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. This is Heather Marchant here. Ron is not with us today, but I have an awesome guest today, which I'll introduce in a minute. We have been looking at some current events and all the things happening that we've seen with the mortgage industry and some recent changes with the administration. So who better to have on to talk about that than our preferred lender with Cherry Creek Mortgage. We have Brendan Colasar here today. And Brendan, I'm just going to make a quick introduction of how we first came to work together. So Brendan was a referral from a client of mine who had become a friend. And so it's kind of one of those friend-client relationships. And he referred Brendan over to me to look at buying property. Man, Brendan, has it been is it a year and a half? I don't even know how long. Yeah. I think I actually just got an email from you today congratulating me on the anniversary, one year anniversary of one of my properties. So I think that was maybe property three. So it's definitely been a little over a year, but yeah. Amazing. Time goes by so fast. I mean, we talk about that all the time and that's like an adult thing to say <laughs> for sure. But I still can't believe how long we've known each other. It goes by real quick. So Brendan was purchasing properties from me and referred a few friends over to me. And they said, Hey, can I use Brendan for the financing? And I'm like, well, he's in California. Most of the time, those lenders can't do loans out of state. And they said, Oh, he can. So I reached out to Brendan. And I was amazed as his friends and clients that worked with him and I in purchasing, I watched his purchase process and how smooth it was. And I saw and the rates that he had and was just super impressed. And so I quickly reached out to him and said, Hey, I've been really impressed by your process, your team, and how well they work together. And I really want to have you be one of our lenders that I send files to. Are you open to that? And of course, I'm sure you were like, uh, yeah, <laughs> deal. <laughs> the rest is history. I mean, we quickly sent more and more business over to you and our team, man, over the last year or so has just come to me and been blown away by how your level of service as a team and your whole team has been awesome too. So not just you as an individual, as the loan officer, but how well our client feels like they know what's happening in the process, which is awesome. From our side, that's a huge weight off our shoulders and just making sure they know what's happening. So that's a long introduction, but I felt like it was worth it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm a huge fan of you guys and I push people to you all the time and I love your response. Like, thanks for not keeping us a secret whenever I introduce somebody. <laughs> Just because what you guys do with, you know, wrapping everything into a bow for people who are speculating about buying investment properties is just awesome. And that was what I was so intrigued by. And I'm pumped with our relationship and love serving your clients. And I always tell my team, if someone has to ask what's going on, we're not doing our job. So that's really where that comes from. And We've been together for the better part of a decade now, me and a couple of the gals that work for me. So we've got it 
got it pretty figured out. Sometimes people tell us we don't, so we have to revisit. Can't always expect to be perfect. So always learning, especially as we dive into different states with you guys and learning the, the caveats there. But it's been fun. I just really love your guys, the product that you provide. And I think it's great for people that dive in and actually make the move rather than talking about it. So true, because it's so easy to just sit and talk about what you could do in real estate, right? Uh Then actually happen. And the other thing that I didn't give you a heads up on chatting about this, but I think it should spend a second is your own portfolio, right? It has not been without problems and you still like us. (laughs) You've had some frustration for sure. Because sometimes you'll reach out to me in a text and we text so frequently about other clients, I get thrown off. Like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> what property? What client? It's like me, me, Heather, my property. I'm like, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought you yeah, were that one. <laughs> <laughs> so but we had good news that came in this week. As a team, we've been focusing more on the last, this quarter on just look, focusing on the good news. And a property that's kind of in a thorn in your side has had significant growth and appreciation. And looking at repositioning that and moving that out of your portfolio, replacing it with something else, which is awesome. Yeah. I was driving yesterday when you sent me that text. So I glanced at it and I told myself, I need to look at that again when I pull over just to make sure that number was right. So yeah, I was pretty impressed. I mean, my expectations in every situation are perfection. You know, I mean, I understand that there's only certain things we can control. So I even tell your clients when they call and I let them know that I'm not only a partner of yours, but also a client. I tell them like, here's some of the things that I've had in certain areas, whether it's like a section eight issue or the property we're talking about in Tennessee that we've just had all kinds of fun stuff going with, but freak winters, freeze pipe. It's definitely been a learning experience for me and realizing the things that I need to pay closer attention to just owning properties in different states and being diligent about and checking into. So, I mean, I'm pumped about the ability of taking that and moving it into multi-unit. So I was pretty stoked about the numbers you sent me, but the takeaways are great too. And I can use those and focus on the other properties that I'm keeping. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's exciting to be able to have someone to refer clients to that understands rental property, owns rental property, And specifically owning rental property with us is also helpful, right? Versus self-managing where you live. It's quite different. I think that's been invaluable for us as a team, but also our clients. So that's great. So I promise I did start this conversation about the administration and the (laughs) the changes (laughs) that have come down. So these changes, from what I understand, were actually made a little while ago. They just came into effect on May 1st. Am I right about that? That's correct. The actual decision to move the pricing adjustments was made in the fourth quarter of 22. So it's been something that's been on our radar, actually implemented and in effect since mid-March, just so that any loan locked that might close after May 1st wouldn't miss the changes. So it's priced in and active now, even though I know it seems like social media and the big media, they've all uh, really grabbed the scene the last couple of weeks. And man, every YouTuber out there has an opinion on it. So it's been interesting to get feedback from clients and just watch the whirlwind a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, from our conversations we've had, and it sounds a whole lot like smoke and mirrors a little bit. I think if Ron were here, he'd say the same thing, probably even more direct. It seems like it's a play to appease a group of people but it's not really going to impact the group of people very much. And I think first and foremost, Brendan, I want to know 
how does this affect our clients purchasing rental property? Right. Yeah. I mean, we really have to separate this between like an RP client and your first time home buyer out in the market. So first and foremost, with RP clients, the reality is, is they added some loan level pricing adjustments, which is how every interest rate is underwritten. They're looking at property type. They're looking at your FICO score. They're looking at your loan to value ratio. They added some higher tiers above a 740 credit score, which didn't exist before. Everything was 740 or above. Now there's a bucket that goes from 740 to 760, 760 to 780, and then 780 and above. So there's some adjustments at those higher levels. But in perspective, just looking at where we were, for someone who's buying 20% down with a 740 credit score, the adjustment increased by 0.375 in fee, not in rate. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused when they see heat charts and things that are published by the media. It's all fee adjustments. So your rate didn't go up 0.375, the cost for your rate did. And depending on the investor and the day, that might adjust the interest rate an eighth to potentially a quarter, most likely an eighth in interest rate. And conversely, when you get to 25% down, which a lot of our clients are doing, depending on if it's a multi-unit or you know they just have a little extra money to put into it, there's really no change. It's an eighth difference in fee, which doesn't move an interest rate. I mean, you're not seeing an adjustment. So for the people that we're working with, in most instances... There's no change really in the interest rate market. I mean, especially with concessions and buy downs and things of that nature that we're already doing to help combat the affordability issue. Okay. So it sounds like just summarizing what you said, that the rate hasn't really changed. It's more of a small fee at closing, even for investor loans, right? And it's not even a fee at closing. It's how do I simplify it? If someone wanted the interest rate of 6.75, And the cost of that rate prior to May 1st was a point. Today, it would be a point and three eighths. So there's three eighths more cost to get to the same rate as there was before. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it affects you up front, right? Then over the life of the loan, correct? There is a little bit of a cost, correct? It's not nothing. It's just not, oh, you know, someone out there with a 640 credit score putting down 5% is getting a 2% better interest rate than me. And that's what you're seeing a lot of, right? So, but that's getting into your first time home buyer world and your primary residence world, which is a little bit different than the clientele we're dealing with, RP Capital. Okay. I mean, what a couple of things we talked about about this that's really interesting is right now we have this period of time in the market where there's not a lot of property on the market almost in any market, like nationwide, there's just not as many properties available, less people are wanting to move in the high interest rate environment. In fact, I got a text from my sister this morning that was like, man, I want to move. I found a place I want to buy, but I just can't stomach the idea of a higher interest rate for my primary residence. So I'm just going to stay. Right. And that's kind of the norm. (laughs) So in fact, I got a text from my sister this morning that she said, yeah, I want to move so bad. I found a place, I found a lot I want to build on, but I just can't stomach having a higher interest rate. I'm just not going to do it. Totally. I'm going to wait and stay where I'm at, which is what most people are doing. So if you're looking at the primary residence market, you just don't have as many properties available. And so you also, in an economy that people are a little more gun shy of spending their cash. And so making this change right now to help people with a low credit score, I think you said it really well, Brendan, you said something to the effect of they're just not the ones that are buying. Like the people that are destined to take advantage of this really aren't buying. And then 
when the market changes and rates come down, we've talked about this on the podcast ad nauseum, that all we see happening is more people ready to take action, which means prices increasing. And we have investors who have been scared, I would say mostly novice investors who are just scared right now and not taking action that come out of the woodwork once rates drop. And so if anything, we see prices increasing, more competitive to purchase. And so I think you said it great too. You said, well, these those people are going to be not able to buy because if you have an offer on your house from two different people and one has a lower credit score and lower down payment, you're going to go with the person with the higher credit score and higher down payment. It's not rocket science. It's really broken into two things, right? We got affordability issues and then we've got availability issues. And until the rate disparity drops, like your sister, you know, it's tough. Someone with a 3% looking at a 6%, they're like, oof, I don't know if I can stomach that. I mean, you could have boatloads of equity, but still your payment might not change that much because of the increase in the rate. Once rates dip into the fives, fours, I mean, now we're talking about a change that people are going to be willing to make. We're going to see inventory tick up, but we're also going to see competition tick up, right? In my market here in San Diego, there's multiple offers on every property. People are offering above list. We're reducing contingencies. We're waiving appraisals. I mean, it's back 2021 times as far as how the offers are working. And unfortunately, the smoke and mirror piece of this is we're trying to help first-time home buyers with low money down and low credit, but it's sad. In this availability market, those changes just aren't going to bear any fruit. I mean, they're not going to help these people get into homes, right? We're 6 million homes off where we need to be for the amount of buyers that want to buy in the US to be able to actually move into a home. And they've done things over the last few years by bumping up the second home hit to almost as bad as a non-owner hit. So second homes are just priced out of the market because so many people utilizing that avenue with the excellent pricing and then turning it into an investment property. They've had you know, first-time homebuyer programs, Home Possible, Home Ready, which are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac products for first-time home buyers where the loan level pricing adjustments get reduced. And again, it's just the level of competition, unfortunately, just is going to mask any improvement that they're making with these changes. Now, unfortunately, we're not going to see a bunch of people with 640 credit scores putting down 5% winning until we can fix the availability of homes. Yeah, exactly. Just out in Oklahoma, I think I talked about this on the podcast recently. And like their permits are down so far that they just can't even like the builder I talked to just said, I can't even believe how little construction is going on right now. That a lot of people are and builders, especially they got really burned in 2008 with holding the bag of all these properties. And with the rates going up last year, builders did get burned by having buyers that could no longer qualify. And so they're getting a little nervous and scaling back when we need more housing. I mean, it's compounding the problem of the house supply of housing. So I get all a little bit warm. I'm like, over. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I'm with you. It's definitely an issue and it's tough. I'm saddened by it a little bit because we have a big veteran community here and we do a lot of VA business and 20 and 21, those guys just got pushed to the wayside because everyone was paying so much above market. and. They couldn't compete. Veteran law is taboo. We're not touching that. We want to capitalize. And I feel like that's the way we're headed again. I mean, in 22 and early this year, we've been able to find some of them homes and get them in. Rates do start dipping. Those products and your FHA buyers, they're going to fortunately take a back seat. And revisit 2008 for a second again. I mean, this happened before 2008. 
that they started coming out with all these products for people that really shouldn't be buying homes. Pay off your debt that you have and you have a lower credit score because of it. And I'm not saying that everybody with low credit score is the same because they're not. You can have a low credit score for lots of different reasons. But if we're generalizing it, right, the people with a lower credit score, maybe they shouldn't be buying it, right? Maybe they should be paying off debt, getting themselves into a better financial position to be able to own a home would be an argument. And so if they're working to get themselves in a better position, man, let's get programs to help people with repairing their credit rather than saying, here, let's get you into more debt. I mean... That part frustrates me where I'm like, are we really helping people? Right. Are we really making an impact or are we just making it look like we are? Right. Your typical 640 person with a 640 credit score, low down payment, can they really swallow $5,000 a month mortgage on a $500,000 house? Probably not. Yeah. Smoke and mirrors, as Ron would be saying probably repeatedly if he was on this call right now. I mean, not to say there isn't some upside out there. It's just the market's just really not going to, this isn't going to move the needle, unfortunately. Yeah. A minimal impact to investors, I think, is a takeaway as well, because I think investors saw it and thought, man, high rate environment. And now I'm going to have an eighth or like a quarter higher interest rate. But really, our takeaway here is that's not the impact that you're seeing. I remember we talked and you're like, well, I got to May 1st, like getting into the numbers and seeing how rates shake out. And I think it was, a good surprise for all of us. Like, well, it's not really going to impact our core clients, which is awesome news. No, I mean, you guys are always focusing on the ROI, right? I mean, if the ROI is there, who cares what the rate is? I mean, obviously, novices and people learning are looking at interest rates, but the ROI makes sense. Then the rate's kind of a, it's cherry on top, you know, and you can take advantage of rates when they go down to increase your ROI. But if it's there when you buy it, then, you know, it's a good investment regardless. Agreed. I mean, I'm being pretty bullish this year. Already closed on a couple properties. Nice. And I mean, you know me, I've already reached out to you and said, Hey, should I look at refinancing? Where are we at? Right. So staying on top of that and making sure if it's time to refinance hasn't been yet. But yeah. So I mean, just having a refinance at that point is perfect. So you can take advantage of this lull in the market. I wish I had a better word for it, but opportunity right. is again to take advantage right now until rates come back down. Then we can try to come out in force for sure. I mean, I'm going to want to buy when the rates are low. Is it going to be harder to get deals? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> so we can get a lot more deals right now and it's super exciting. No, totally. So. And that's what I've been urging primary residence buyers as well as investment buyers. Like, hey, the rates are a little daunting right now, but I'll tell you right now, as soon as rates dip, we're going to see 10 times the people trying to buy that same house. So make a move now and then take advantage of it. I mean... I don't know if anybody heard this quote before, but marry the house, date the rate. Have you heard that one? Yeah. <laughs> From you. Oh, that's genius. Okay. I mean, I, I saw Ryan Serhant <laughs> say that on like the Today Show. And I'm like, wait a second, this guy is the biggest broker in the country. And he's on the Today Show saying marry the house, date the rate. So I guess maybe it does hold a little water. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. A good segue for that too. And kind of touching on our conversation yesterday about your scenario, I do have this, I don't have it memorized. I'm going to have to read it a little bit, but there are folks out there that are kind of, they project where they think interest rates are going to be. And I've got some projections here that I thought are pretty interesting. So I'm going to share them. Okay. Yeah, I do. By the end of 2023, most of the folks who are smarter than me are out there and they're gambling by the end of the year, we're going to see rate five and an eighth. Oh, wow. 2024, most of them are gambling four and an eighth and 25, 
it's evenly split between three and an eighth and 2.875. Hmm. So interesting. Does it talk about why they think that? <laughs> you know what? This is a few pages. So, and it just came across my desk this morning. So, I wish I would have more time to read it, but I can share it. And these are guys that are just, they bet on futures of interest rates. And there's definitely got to be some formulas there of why and try and explain it on this on air right now because I would butcher it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can share it in the show notes if you can send me a link if it's an online resource. Okay. I will. I think that's what everyone's saying. I just was curious if they had data behind it as to why they think that. I mean, there's lots of theories and ideas for sure that they can't stay higher with everything that's happening right now and stimulating the economy by lowering the interest rate. So I think that I'm still in the solid camp of get out and make something happen and get something going while you're in this opportunity zone or another real estate term, I guess, but. Yeah. And I've I've even been having that same conversation with folks recently who were kind of reluctant to pull equity lines just because of where the prime rate is now. The main point there is even if it hurts your ROI in the short run, as they do, as you know, the big R word kicks in and we get into like a recessionary pattern and they do have to start dipping rates at some point, that's going to improve your ROI because the cost of that money is going to come down as the prime rate does. So a delicate balance right now, but again, it's all going to change when rates do dip because that competition level is going to change and prices will go up and it's going to taking advantage now no matter what way you do it is definitely still my opinion and obviously yours so yeah i mean having a home equity line and buying a boat versus having a home equity line and buying a cash flowing rental property i mean they're two very different things in my mind but using a home equity line using it to grow your passive income yeah. Yep. You have that resource available to you and the numbers make sense all day long. Yep. So that's a great, great takeaways. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and experience with us. Super helpful. Also really helpful for our investors that have just been asking what is going on? What, how am I going to be impacted by this? Right. So thank you for joining me today. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Everyone out there listening Make something happen this week before this next episode airs on Monday. Make something happen. Reach out to us if you're looking to make a move and buy a rental property this year. Cost segregation is still at 80% this year too. So you can email us at invest at rpcinvest.com and we can schedule an appointment for a wealth plan, like take some action to make something happen. Otherwise, you'll be sitting here at the end of the year going, man, I wish I would have bought real estate in 2023. So don't wait, make something happen. Thanks guys. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.